The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. So much political discussion these days is centered around the morality of abortion versus the rights of the mother. But what happens to the soul of a baby when a fetus gets aborted? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. My friend and Arizona neighbor, Janice Goff, has had a lifetime of psychic and other, and other side experiences and returns to NDE Radio once again to tell us the story of when she had a visit from the soul of an aborted child. Janice, welcome back to NDE Radio. Hi, Lee. Janice, last time I was out in Arizona, you told me about a visit you had from the spirit of a child who'd been aborted. And I'm really glad you're taking the time to share this story with our listeners. Yeah, you kind of uh, prompted my mind a little bit on that whole issue. I hadn't really thought too much about that particular experience, but the implications are just that. And for our brilliant minds, we kind of can take this story of this child and take it into a lot of different questions and thought processes. So thank you for letting me share that. So oh, you're very one welcome. Day I, <laughs> one day I was listening to the radio and this uh, woman comes on and she has this story about her um, suffering and how she had spent a lifetime um, sabotaging her life to punish herself for um, aborting her baby when she was younger. And her story was like, oh, my goodness, it was just brought tears. I, I know everybody that was listening was just touched very deeply. Her suffering was so deep. But she had described it in such a beautiful way that everybody could relate to what she was saying. And I'm quite sure that everybody who heard it that had her experience um, was able to not only relate but find some empathy and compassion for their self for what they had experienced with their own abortions as well. It was just so profoundly incredible the way she voiced her, you know, her suffering and how she had sabotaged her life. And, and by this time she was in her late fifties, so. She was still suffering, <laughs> and um, so anyway, after we got off, after the radio show was over, sometime later, I was visiting with um, a friend of mine, Sylvia Kessler, in Omaha, who, by the way, if anyone is interested in any highly gifted NLP work, Sylvia Kessler is the one to seek out. When these gifted people leave their body, there's, you know, hopefully many more to replace them, but Sylvia is definitely uh, at the top of the list for gifted in NLP. Um, so I'm telling Sylvia about this radio show that I heard and this woman, and she said, oh, yeah, yeah. She said, you know, she's a client of mine, and I encouraged her to find a radio station that would let her air her story to help facilitate her own therapy and her own healing. 
And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, well, I did. And as it so happened, that evening after I listened to this woman's story on the radio, this uh, little child uh, came to me and said, my mom is my, you know, she said, the, the woman who agreed to be my mother is still suffering from the abortion of her releasing me. And I need you to tell her that we made a contract, that this was all agreed to before we ever, before she ever came into a body. It was all agreed to that I could come in the world through her, but not be of the world. And she needs to know that. And so after that experience that evening, I'm like, yeah, well, good grief. You know, here's this gal on the radio. I have no idea who she is or really how to get in contact with her or anything. And um, yeah, I'm Jan- telling Sylvia, Jan- go ahead. Jan- uh, let me just interrupt a minute. When you said the child appeared to you, did you actually see the child or? No, I did not see the child. I heard her voice. I heard her and voice. Way- Was it? Yes. Was it, uh, it uh, telepathically or was it uh, no. oral? No, sometimes it happens telepathically, Lee, but sometimes it happens with my ears. And I don't know how this happens, but there can be a difference. But mm-hmm. this one happened through my ears, like in the air. It was like I was listening to a TV station and I'm in another room where I can't see the TV. Um, just there, literally heard her talking. <laughs> right. So it, is there I, is there any way to gauge how to the airway? Yeah. Is there any way to gauge how old you thought she might be at at that time when she spoke to you? In other words, um, she wasn't just a little infant anymore. Exactly. And you know, some of the other experiences I've heard from people that have lost babies mm-hmm. uh, when they've seen their children. Um, they've seen them as grown-ups, or they've seen them, you know, at 10 or 12, 13 years old, older. And this little voice sounded like um, like a 10, 10-year, 11, 12-year-old child hmm. is the way yeah, the that voice fits, sounded fits with, to me. fits with stories I've heard as well. Okay, I'd, I'm sorry to have interrupted you. Oh, Go on with the oh, story. Oh, that's okay. So, anyway, Sylvia's telling me, you know, that she had, uh, you know, had this woman find a radio station and whatever. And so now I'm telling Sylvia about this little girl, this this child, and the message that was given to me. And Sylvia said, oh, well, I know how to find her. You know, if you wait a little while, she's actually coming by here. And if you can wait about an hour, she'll be, be around here in a little while. Wow. <laughs> <And I> thought, <laughs> Oh, God, you know, the synchronicities never cease to amaze me. So mm-hmm. I did hang out, and the woman did come, and Sylvia, uh, after she brought her in the house, you know, and that coffee and whatnot, Sylvia introduced us and said, Janice has something to tell you. Something happened for her, for you, after she heard your radio show. And so I began to tell the gal you know, what this child had told me. And, uh, of course, we're all three in tears. And the woman just could not stop crying and just heaved crying and said, you know, if I would have known this, 
you know, 20, 25 years ago, the rest of my family would not have had to have suffered so bad because I've been so mean and, Mm. you know, so cruel to everyone trying to punish myself. And um, so after we visited and I shared that with you, the thought, there's just so many things that come up, Lee. I don't think there's any accident. And I think what we're experiencing right now is what we're supposed to be experiencing, good or bad. And I think the pictures are way bigger than what we can see right now in the moment. But the idea that um, you brought up that so much of our life is created before we ever come here and how narrow-minded we are, you know, to think, this is, you know, why has this happened to me? And and why did I make that mistake? And why did I do this? And why did I do that? And if we think that um, free will, uh, our ability to choose and create, didn't start just because we have a body. You know, it, it, it began way before our body began. All of these things are so, so big. They're just so big for my little mind. But it <laughs> just what? Oh, much, you know. Yeah. Why do you suppose uh, a child or uh, a soul would agree to be an aborted fetus? What do they get out of that? I think what they get out of that, from what I can tell anyway, is that due to the fact that we're energy, we come through the world and our energy does something once it comes through here. It adds something. It creates something. It you know, I don't I don't know how to say that any better, but yet if we don't need to be in the body in the world, we can pass right on through and go on to whatever is next and mm-hmm. whatever that energy we call our soul is doing now, but did not need to spend, you know, the 80 years in a body here. Right. Um, and, and, of I course... Guess there's, Go ahead. I was going to say, and of course, the life does go on on the other side. So, so it's a way of being um, uh, embodied in the spirit, if not in the flesh. Yeah, there's there's so much. Um, gosh, there's just so much to think about with with this sort of thing. And how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have aborted babies and just punished themselves? and lived in grief and trauma all their life because of that, um, not realizing that this might be a piece of the picture that could give them, you know, some peace and from their suffering and relieve that suffering. Just knowing, you know, we made a decision before we ever came in the body, and we made an agreement with another soul to carry something out. Mm. You know? I had... It, I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a visit at the hospital the other day from a fellow who's, um, actually thinking about writing a book about his near death experience and what he saw on the other side. And one of the things he saw, uh, as he was walking down this path were seven children of various ages waving at him and he couldn't understand it. And then 
But then when he returned, as I understood the story, he remembered that he and his wife had tried to get her pregnant by doing a, a in vitro fertilization, and they had they had created uh, seven joining oh. of egg and sperm. <laughs> oh my gosh! And so <laughs> he, it's his uh, understanding of the situation that those were the souls that were engendered by this this failed attempt to uh, to get his wife pregnant. And see, that fits perfectly in the same scenario, you know, that that these souls we call people, they made an agreement before, you know, and it, they didn't need to be of the world. They just needed to come through the world. And, right. You know, so, I, gosh, it, it's such a, a sacrifice at our level to do, you know, to be in that surrogate position, um, especially when you want to actually raise children and leave that legacy. But the legacy was still given. We just don't comprehend this whole story and how it all fits together. But it, it just leaves way more questions than what I can, you know, Figure all, figure it all out. Well, it's hard to, it's hard to know. Topic. Yeah, it's hard to know what, um, whether we agree to every detail of the life that we're about to lead before we come here. Because, I mean, that would be enormous. Or maybe it's just the major events in our life that we agree to. Uh, children, having children or not having children, getting married or not getting married, things like that. What are your thoughts on that? It could be, Lee, but you know, there's this other thought process that says we're the director of our own play, and the director chooses the script and chooses the players and chooses, you know, everything, the costumes and the drama and, you know, the, the entertainment and everything to do with it. So, you know, I just don't know. I think... I'm not sure that there's one way of thinking that fits all. It, mm. It's a possibility that, you know, maybe I would say, oh, well, I'll just create all the major events and put up red flags along the way so that I know I'm in the right time and place and things are happening synchronistically the way they should to get me where I'm going. And then somebody else that comes in as, say, a Leo... <laughs> and is a controlling person, I, I just about bet they created every detail of their life, <laughs> you know, where some of the rest of us may be a little more easygoing and say, well, just I think I'll just create the major events and let the rest of them blow with the wind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll deal with it as it comes. I'm, I'm not Thank- sure that there's any one way that it has to happen. Think of the... Uh- guilt that we carry around though for things that we've done that we think were wrong or mistakes like like the woman that uh, you know cha- it probably poisoned her whole life that she had this um, abortion and w- had she agreed did she do you suppose she understood on the other side when she agreed to do this that uh, that she would suffer for 20 years 
uh, over the situation? You know, I I think so, and I think it finally comes to the time that we're mature enough to um, actually put that in a format for other people to benefit from, that mm. then our healing comes to us and it finds us just the way her circumstance did. Um, it's, uh, it, to me, it, there's just no simple format, no, no simple recipe that it all follows. It, it's very, I think it's complex because there's so many options of what's available for us when we create something. And yes. just like me with paint, <laughs> it's only paint. <laughs> I can always change it. Well, <laughs> see, I think she could have made a difference decision but then again you know fate is going to find us and maybe she could not have made a different decision after that contract was laid in place Mm -hmm. it was going to happen one way or the other um because it was kind of written in stone before they ever came into the body so but i'm not sure i understand we can always change our contract but I'm not sure. We have to have a, a forewarning, a, a foreknowing of what the contract is to be able to change it. She did not know that she even had made an agreement with anyone. Yeah, of course, because we don't remember, we don't retain that memory of what we've agreed to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's that veil thing. And the thing is, though, when you... Um, Make a decision, a major decision like that, or sometimes even a minor one, you know, that butterfly effect they talk about. You make a minor decision in your life, it can change the consequences of how your life goes for years afterward. So that would be a whole different set of agreements that you might or might not have made. It's kind of like hybridizing something. You know, when you hybridize a flower and turn it into another flower... It was created to be one thing, but then we make a hybrid out of it, and it turns it into something else. Um, and we don't know the effects of that something else until later on. Um, I would like to think in my life that I had created lots of surprises that were um, enjoyable <laughs> and that I could totally be thrilled about constantly to carry me through my life. I would like to think that I've created that um, pre-coming into the body. Uh, to me, that's kind of the format of hybridizing something, changing a contract. And But there again, to change a contract, you've got to, in that format, you've got to know that you made a contract, that mm-hmm. you made an agreement, and then say, yes, but it doesn't serve me now, so I'm going to change it to something that does serve me. Maybe our contracts have uh, have options. Maybe we leave spaces uh, for decisions that will be made when we're actually in our bodies. The, uh, this all reminds me of, um, and I've probably told you the story of Ur, Plato's story of a near-death experience where the soldier comes back and and tells what he ex- what we will all experience on the other side. It's a little different from many of the near-death experiences I've heard since then, but. But um, one of the things he says is when we're getting ready to be reborn, we have a choice of, uh, we have some choices. 
we're allowed some choices and the rest of it is just kind of a roll of the dice. And uh, some people choose to be wealthy and some people choose to be poor. and Some people, you know, because of the different experiences they want. But a lot of it is just left up to chance as well. Yeah, I think I think probably that that's one appropriate scenario. Um, I had seen uh, when my mom was in the hospital having a trend uh, bypass, heart bypass. Uh, all of our family was there in the waiting room, and in the other end of the waiting room, this was down south, was a uh, black family. And they were all there praying for their family member who was being operated on. And they were having their, um, doing their gospel music and they were pretty loud and, uh, you know, it was actually very enjoyable to hear their music. Um, somewhere along the way I left and went down to the parking lot. Coming back, there was a man standing in the hall with, propped up against the wall with his foot up against the wall and his arms crossed. And I passed him, and I said hello. And then I looked back because I thought, God, what did I just see? I turned around and looked, and I could sort of see through this man. And so I said to him, I said, where are you? And I I really meant, where's the rest of your body? And he (laughs) said, well, my family's in there praying for me to live, for God to bring me back to them. And I'm just waiting. He said, I knew this was going to happen. Um, but I'm just waiting for them to decide that I can go because I'm ready to leave here. So I'm just waiting. And I, I said, Oh, okay. Well, you know, ha- have a good journey and maybe I'll see you next lifetime. <laughs> I mean, what can you <laughs> say? You know, and I exactly. walked him back into the room and the, his family was still having their prayer session and, you know, all this. And then they broke and went to lunch and whatever. And when they came back, one of the elderly women said, I want to tell y'all that I think we've been praying wrong. We, we've been praying very selfishly. We want him back in our life. And it, it may, it may be his time. It just may be his time. So then they started to pray for him to, um, you know, follow God's will and do whatever, you know, let God be in control and that sort of thing. These were very religious, you know, biblical people. So after that, then I was actually there when the doctor came in and said that he had passed. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, wow, for him to tell me he knew that this was going to happen. So did he know that was going to happen because of his life, living a biblical, religious life with his family and knowing his family? Or did he know that was going to happen because he was now aware of future instances before he ever came into the body? See, I I don't know those things, and I just know that all of these stories leave us with way more questions than they do answers. But they also leave us with way more opportunities and options that we have in our life. So we get locked in to our daily life in one way of doing things. And that's the only way we can see that these stories remind us 
there is a whole lot of options and opportunities out there that we have not even considered. And they can bring us um, not only joy, but relief from suffering. Um, it's all in our mind, you know, how we live mm-hmm. our life and what we choose to suffer from. And we just need to be a little more uh, flexible with, you know, what we brand our life with, I think. Yeah. One of the uh, interesting things about that story is, um, was he waiting because he, out of love for his family, was he waiting because he had at some point agreed to wait until they came around to a different way of thinking? <laughs> was was he trying to perhaps influence the elderly woman? Maybe he was whispering in her ear, you got it wrong, I want to go. Uh, wow, those are great questions, Lee. <laughs> yeah, and seeing how the family was so bonded, um, very close-knit family, and very uh, uh, focused together, you know, I would say possibly out of love and then and compassion, knowing what they were going through, knowing what he was going through, but there again, I'm just labeling it from my own perspective of life and the way I would see things, you know, and somebody else might would say, well, <laughs> you know, he's he was standing there with his arms crossed, closed up because he was just irritated with this whole thing and he's just <laughs> waiting until they let him go, you know, but see, that's not my perspective. That's, let, me, let me ask you another question about so. that. When you saw when you saw him, did he appear to be a black man? Um, actually, when I turned and looked back at him, he did. When I passed him, that was one of the things that got my attention. Is he didn't look black or white; he just looked like a man. <laughs> and I right. thought, well, all of a sudden, my brain registered I was missing details, and that's why I stopped and twirled back around because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what I had just seen. Yeah, because we do, uh, apparently we retain our identity when we cross over, but do we, you know, do we retain that kind of identity, a racial identity or something along those lines? That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I have no idea. There's so many options with that as well. One of the uh, Indian children on the reservation uh, in South Dakota told me that he saw Jesus. And he said, I didn't know Jesus was a Sioux. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so he had seen Jesus, you know, in in his bodily format, the way he saw his world. Um, sure. So I, I have no idea. I, I go back to those pictures on the Internet that show us if you take our skin off, we're blood and veins and muscles and bones, and you can't tell the nationality. Of anyone, right. we all look the same if you take our suit off, and you know. So I, I have no idea. Hmm. With all now, that, do you, sp- just, do you suppose that uh, the woman you told about, uh, you know, the visit of her of her unborn child, uh, do you suppose she went back and repeated that story to other people? Whether I wonder if she learn from it enough to be able to communicate, hey, maybe I had 
exaggerated my guilt for having participated well, in, in abortion. One of the things that did happen because um, I did kind of follow her story for you know over the next course of the next year was that she did go to her family and had at a actually at a family reunion and apologized to the whole family for uh, imposing her suffering and guilt on the family. They had no idea that she had had an abortion. Hmm. And she told the story and then told my part of the story to her family um, in a way that didn't involve me, but came out in a way that it was a revelation to her and was a gift from God to her so that her family didn't continue to suffer. And her it was kind of funny. Her major focus at the end of her speech was um, she did not want them to put on her tombstone, and here lies the bitch. <laughs> she, she wanted to be remembered in a way that was uh, more in line with the gifts and the heritage and the, the goodness of her whole family lineage instead of just here lies the bitch. So, <laughs> you know. Well, that's, um, that's great. <laughs> one, one last thought. If, if there is a soul created and residing in heaven for every conception, every joining of a sperm and egg that's taken place in the world, I mean, we talk about so many people being born into the world, but I mean, that would be a vast, vast number of souls in heaven. Oh, Lee, that's way too big for my little brain. <laughs> well, it's too big, too big for mine either, but it just crossed my mind. Every, every time a sperm and an egg get together, there, there's another life. Well, <laughs> or, Janice, yeah. thank, thank you so much. I, I, we're just about out of time here. And, um, but I want to thank you once again. You always have something really interesting to share with our audience. <laughs> if, if anyone wants to get in touch with Janice, feel free to email me at the NDE radio website at TalkZone and I'll be sure to forward messages to her. I want to thank our guest, Janice Goff, for sharing another fascinating experience. If you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. For more information about the work of IONS and uh, our upcoming conference in Orlando, Florida, check out their website, iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.